Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening. Good to see y'all this morning. Happy summer. It's officially summer. We at ICC, we determine the calendar and we say it's summer. Not June 21st. We say it's summer. Um, if you've never been a part of a summer here at ICC, um, it really is a special time. We, uh, we really work to uh, just focus on like community time, um, just time together, but then also really growing in very practical ways as disciples, as followers of Jesus and uh, and I'm excited for that this year, I really am. And I have the uh, really unique privilege and opportunity of just getting us started and leading us into our series for Summer Sundays this year, which is called Love Your Neighbor. So if you're wondering who inspired this series, it's not, it was not Mr. Rogers and it was not State Farm, you know, like a good neighbor. State Farm is there, okay. It's not, it's neither of those. It was inspired by Jesus himself. Uh, there, we have a couple of accounts in the gospels with Matthew and Mark give accounts of this interaction that Jesus had where uh, there was like a really, an educated religious leader who um, approached him and asked him, uh, hey, what's the, what's the most important commandment? You know, what's kind of the ultimate commandment? And he really, uh, you know, oftentimes people ask Jesus questions to try and, kind of trip him up, but it, I'm sure I'm glad he asked, you know. I, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I get easily overwhelmed, so I need things to be simple. So if I would have gotten a conversation with Jesus in the flesh, I think I would have asked a similar question. Be like, look, could you kind of boil down exactly what you want from me into like one thing? Could you help me with that? Because maybe I can handle one thing. And uh, he did, he answered, and, and we're gonna look at that together. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, we're gonna look at. So this is Jesus' response. Uh, He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So he is referencing Old Testament scripture. That's a commandment, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 5. This is the great and first commandment. He says, and a second is like it. So he's sort of saying, um, not just like, oh, and there's this one too. He's saying, you sort of view these as like two legs on the same commandment, right? He says, a second is like it and that it's, it's, it's totally connected to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So we have this basically summary mission statement for our lives from Jesus himself. He said, if you're gonna do anything and really everything you do, that's what he said, it all It all sums up in this, love God completely, right, with your entire being, love God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So if we are followers of Jesus, we're disciples, and we're seeking to follow him, this should probably take a priority, right? Jesus said this is the most important thing. It probably deserves some attention at the forefront of our minds and our hearts and our lives, and that's what we're doing this summer. Because I think if we're honest, and hopefully you'll relate with this, some of these things that we hear all the time, you know, if you've been in the church for a while, even if you haven't, you've probably heard this before. 
And sometimes the things we hear a lot and maybe we've like, you know, you see it on bumper stickers and you might have a t-shirt from a church camp that has it and, you know, it just kind of becomes this like vague idea. It becomes a principle or even like a metaphor more than it does a real driving force in our lives. That makes sense? Y'all with me? And there's danger, there's obvious danger in that, right? You know, it could put us out of step with really the core of what it means to follow Jesus. So um, it's important. It's important, like I said earlier, those two legs of this, you know, there's a reality that our love for other people is indicative of our love for God or lack thereof. Bible teaches us that. First John talks about that pretty extensively. Our love for God can be seen or not seen in our love for people or lack thereof. So this is of utmost importance. So I think it's a great place to spend our summer. Um, y'all with me? Okay. So where do we go from here? I believe that we all want this, right? If you're here, you're probably someone who says, yes, awesome. I want to be the kind of person who loves God first. Like he's my, he's the, the most important thing in my life in my heart. And I think we do, we, we, we push one another towards this, right? And our, our, our teachings and uh, how we encourage one another in community and learning, all these things we do to grow as disciples. And I believe we're also people who would say, of course I wanna be, the, I wanna be known as a person who loves my neighbor. <laughs> but I think the reality is sometimes we just need like encouragement and we need to be challenged and we need to be more equipped to live in this in a very real way so that this is not just a vague principle or idea or metaphor, but actually our real life. So we're gonna, that's where we're gonna start today. And we're gonna start with um, what Jesus taught about neighboring. So if you'll go in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 10, um, it's gonna be up on the screen too, like usual, but um, I'll be reading from the ESV. Luke chapter 10, if you look at verse 25, starting in verse 25, you probably have like a little header that says, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, I'm gonna motion for this summer that we call it the parable of the Good Neighbor, just because that's more in line with kind of what we're gonna see in it. Uh, the parable of the Good Neighbor, so starting in verse 25, I'm gonna read some of this and we'll, we'll uh, spend more time in it next week, but just follow along with me. Starting in verse 25, it says this. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, him being Jesus, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So we're off to a great start with this guy, right? He's a lawyer, so he's like an expert in the Jewish law and he thinks he knows something and so he wants to put Jesus to the test. Never a good idea, just to, to note. So he asked what, on, you know, on the surface, in theory is a pretty good question. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life, right? That's kind of the ultimate end goal, right? So in classic Jesus fashion, he like turns the question around on him. He says, um, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? He said, well, you're the expert. Why don't you tell me, buddy? You know? Um, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Does that sound familiar? Okay, so he was right. So he knows his stuff. He like has a good grasp on God's commandments and maybe has even heard Jesus teach before. Who knows? Maybe he's familiar, but he answers right. And uh, Jesus says, uh, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. He's like, you got it, so do that, you know. But we read next, but he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So again, we get another glimpse, you know, 
uh, Jesus had the privilege if he could see into people's hearts, you know, as they were asking him questions. And we get another kind of window into his motives. He's, he wants to justify himself. So he entered this conversation to prove himself right. He wants to be right. I'm sure none of us have ever entered a conversation with that intention before. He wants to make sure he's good. He's seeking to justify himself. So this clarifying question, it, it actually is a hopeful question. Uh, he just happened to ask it with the wrong heart. Really what he's doing is he's looking for a loophole. You know, so I, I imagine he probably has in his mind a category of people who he loves really well. My guess is they're people that are a lot like him, that are easy for him to love. But he also knows deep down in his heart that there are people he doesn't love. He's not actively loving. And so he's seeking to justify himself by finding a loophole. I'm sure none of us have ever done that either. You know, you hear, you like uh, hear Jesus's radical call, right, to love people. Love people even more than yourself, or, you know, like you love yourself. And you start thinking, well, you know, I mean, I'm just so busy, you know, between work and my family, and then, and then I've got my ministry at church, you know. God's got me so busy doing his work. I don't know that I have much more time or energy to love anybody else, you know. Or maybe, um, you know, you see someone or God brings someone into your life and you're like, yeah, I don't really not, like super connect with them really naturally, you know. I kind of have my community, like my people, and we're doing life together. I think that's really what God's called me to, you know. I don't want to force anything, you know. Or, you know, I, I don't know that, I know God calls some people to really radical things. I don't really think that's me. He hasn't really spoken to me about that. So I think he's probably, he should, he probably should be satisfied with the things I'm doing, that I'm doing really well, you know. Y'all with me? Y'all ever done that? Well, we don't realize, we probably don't say those out loud because, oh, I don't know why, we just don't, we'd be ashamed. But what we're doing is we're like rationalizing and we're qualifying Jesus' call to love people, you know. We're, we're, we're trying to justify ourselves. So again, in classic Jesus fashion, this guy asks, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus, instead of answering, he just starts telling like a random story. He's like, there's a man. And he's like, okay. So I'm actually gonna leave most, this is a pretty, probably familiar parable to you, the parable of the Good Samaritan is what it's typically referred to. I'm gonna leave most of that for Tom next week. Okay, so you gotta come back for that. Next week, Tom's gonna unpack that. But uh, essentially, Jesus tells this story of this guy. He's in desperate need of help. Um, and there, a few people, a couple of people pass by who you most would expect to be quick to help him, you know, religious leaders, but they're too busy, you know. They're on their way to do ministry, I guess, and they pass by him. And then the guy who you least expect, the Samaritan, is the one who jumps in. He's super generous, just really compassionate. He goes above and beyond to help this guy in need. And at the end, Jesus turns back to the guy and he's like, so um, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? You know, the guy, he's probably embarrassed by now. It's almost, it's almost a rhetorical question, but Jesus is like making him answer. He's like, so what's the right answer? And um, he said, well, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, okay. You go and do likewise. He's like, bingo again. You are smart. Go do that. So this leads us, this, this, um, this story kind of helps frame our summer. It, we're going to ask two questions this summer. That's all we're going to do. It's really simple. We're going to ask two questions this summer. The first is this, who is my neighbor? Okay, we're going to join the lawyer in asking that question, hopefully with better intentions 
than he had. But, you know, again, if, if, if this second leg of the, the great, the ultimate commandment, the most important thing, if that's what we're, we're, Jesus is calling us to do, it's probably important that we know who these people are that we're supposed to be loving, right? It's helpful. So we're gonna spend these first two Sundays, today and next Sunday, doing that. The rest of the summer, we're gonna spend on the second question, and that's this. What kind of neighbor are you? And that's essentially what Jesus asked in return. You know, the guy wanted to say, can you like, you know, categorize who is my neighbor? And uh, Jesus really turns it around on him and kind of says, so what do you think it means to be a good neighbor? You, you tell me based on the story I just told you. So that's really where we're gonna spend, we're gonna spend the rest of the summer there. Each week we'll be talking about a good neighbor value. It's gonna be really, really good, really practical. But today, uh, I wanna start answering this question, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? You might be thinking, I can't believe we're spending a whole Sunday answering this question. They gave Mitchell the, the softball week. I don't blame him. Um, it's kind of oversimplistic, maybe, you think. I would challenge you to reconsider. I think uh, if we all had a clear answer on this question and we lived accordingly, I think our lives would look a little different. I think our communities would look a little different. Um, I think there's a lot of power in what Jesus has called us to in this great commandment. And I think it's possible that with a lack of clarity, we're missing it. So that's why we're doing this. So hang with me. Um, today, I'm gonna answer this question with like the simplest answer possible, okay? So I'm just gonna ask you to consider, what if when Jesus gave the great commandment, he wasn't giving a metaphor, he was giving a real commandment to be taken literally and seriously? When he tells this parable, um, the parable of the good neighbor, when he, when he, he tells that parable, he, he's doing something, you know, he, he knows the guy's heart, he knows his intentions, he's trying to confront his self-righteousness and the lack of love in his heart. So with that parable, he actually sets a really high bar for neighboring. Um, because what he's saying is, hey, you should be willing to help anybody and everybody, anytime, no matter what it costs you, even if they're a stranger, even if they're your enemy. That's a really high bar, that's right? That's like ultimate neighboring, right? And Jesus is making an important point there. But he's also assuming that we're doing the basics of neighboring. So that's where we're gonna start today, okay? Before we, don't, don't work, before we like try to become ultimate neighbors to everybody in the whole world, let's start with like the basics. So I'm gonna answer this question today simply by saying that our neighbors are those who live in close proximity to us, closest proximity to us. This is the, traditional definition of neighbor. This is the literal definition of neighbor. The, the word used, the Greek word used for neighbor in this passage as well as the great commandment passages truly means one who is near or close by. It's also where the English word comes from, nearby, neighbor. Okay, so this is the, the literal answer to this question. It's simple. So here's, here's what I'm saying. The people who live in closest proximity to us are our neighbors. What I'm not saying is that these are our only neighbors. These are the only people we're called to love. It's not what I'm saying. You're probably, you might be thinking that. Well, like that's narrow, um, you know, or, or that's too small of a goal. Well, I, I, we're gonna start here. Tom is gonna take us next week and he's gonna give us some handles on how we uh, apply this across our lives. Because, you know, even in the parable Jesus told, we have no reason to think that, the Samaritan was helping out his next door neighbor. It's not, what I'm, it's not what I'm trying to draw out. What I am trying to say is this, that uh, 
Just because there are other people who are considered our neighbors doesn't make the people next door any less of our neighbors. That make sense? The problem is this, that when everyone is my neighbor, often nobody is. <laughs> so when we turn this idea of loving our neighbor into a, a metaphor, we wind up not really tangibly loving anybody. And we kind of think loving our neighbor means just being nice to people in general. All the while potentially overlooking real people right around us. Y'all see what I'm saying? So there is certainly more to this definition, and we'll get there. But what I'm saying is it shouldn't be less. This should be, let's start with the basics. This should be the irreducible minimum of how we define neighbor. Okay, y'all with me? There's no way that when Jesus said, love your neighbor, he didn't at least mean the person who actually lives 20 feet from you. Y'all with me? Logically, you're with, you're with me? Okay, let me show you a couple of biblical principles that hopefully will help put some flesh on these bones. So they're both from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 17 is the first one. Acts chapter one is the other if you wanna write them down. So Acts chapter 17, context here, this is Paul in Athens preaching to a bunch of people, um, really diverse, multicultural. They're all over the place spiritually. So Paul's not teaching how to be a Christian neighbor, but there's a principle here that I think we can and should apply. So he says this, this is Paul speaking to a group of a mass of people. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps fill their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. So Paul says <laughs> that God, he's, he's showing us that God determines periods and boundaries for entire people groups globally throughout all of history, okay? My question for you is if that's true, don't you think he cares where you live as well? <laughs> don't you think maybe you, there's a purpose for why you live where you live? So the principle is this, you live where you live on purpose. God has placed you there that your neighbors might know more of him. This means that you don't, wherever you live, house, apartment, wherever you live, um, it's not by accident and it's not a coincidence. And the reason you think you live there is less important than God's reason for you living there. So just, you know, you like the neighborhood or it's just the best place you could afford or it has a good yard for your dog or it's close to work, whatever it may be. None of these reasons are as important as God's reason for placing you there. God has placed you in your neighborhood so that when your neighbors decide that they wanna know more and seek God, they know where to start. They know they can start with you because they know you know him so they can reach out to you. The other principle comes from Acts 1.8. This is the Acts account of Jesus commissioning his disciples. He says this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. So you've probably heard this verse in the context of global missions, which is great and right. Um, as Jesus, you know, he's, he's sending out his disciples. He, he says, okay, the Holy Spirit's gonna come. You're gonna have power. You're gonna witness to other people about me. And then he gives them this, a, a clear strategy. And you can see this graphically represented here. Um, if you envision concentric circles, you know, they're in Jerusalem. It's where they're living. 
and then Judea, the surrounding area, Samaria, even larger area, to the end of the earth. So they are intended to go to the end of the earth, but the principle is this, that your witness starts where you live. There's a, a danger in us uh, building our lives in such a way that we go off and we love people and we come home and neglect people. Does that make sense? So I'm, again, I'm not saying your, your only ministry, your only witness should be in your neighborhood, but I'm saying it shouldn't only be outside of your neighborhood. That's a, that would be a shame, right? So how, how are we doing with this? Well, so statistically, we're not doing great. There's a, uh, I found a Pew Research survey from 2018. Uh, I have, yeah, some of it here. Hopefully you can see this. This left part, so these are age groups of adults. This left, first category is that people who know all of their surrounding neighbors, just the people who live in the homes right around them. So depending on age, somewhere between two and 6%. See, the worst group is us young adults. I'm in that range range for a few more weeks. Um, if you look over here, so you've got the most and the sum categories, none. 23% of young adults, 18 and 29, don't know a single person who lives around them. This is before COVID also. My guess would be the stats would be worse now. The study went on to show that urban residents are the least likely, less likely than rural residents to know their neighbors even, even though we're living in closer proximity. So all that to say, us young city people are not uh, shining stars on this. We probably have a ways to go. What do, I want to ask, what about you? Okay, so where would you fall on this? What about you? Do you know your neighbors? I'm going to give you a tool. I'm going to introduce a tool to you that we're going to use today. It's going to be really helpful, I think. Um, we're going to call it, it's a, it's a block map. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm taking this directly from a, a book and a ministry. It's called The Art of Neighboring. Um, I don't know if anybody's heard of it, uh, but it's written by some guys, some pastors and leaders who are doing a really great work. They're pioneering like a neighboring movement across different churches and cities. It's really cool. It's actually, I don't know if you notice, I'm gonna point a few things out to you today, practically. I don't know if you noticed when you came in, there's some bookshelves out in the lobby. Those, that's our learning library and we've got some recommended resources for the summer there and this is one of them. You can see it. Don't take the book, it's just one, but uh, you can scan the QR code to buy it for yourself if you're serious about reading it. Um, so this, this chart is super duper simple, y'all. Uh, you probably already understand it. I don't, probably don't have to explain it to you, but this is where you live. And these are the homes immediately surrounding you, closest proximity to you. Now, I get not everybody's layout looks like this because we don't all live in like city blocks, but... Um, visualize it for yourself. If you're in an apartment, I would maybe visualize this as the floor above you and below you, okay? So, somebody sleeps above you and somebody sleeps below you, unless you're on the ground floor. Um, but whatever you need to do to visualize this, see, see your, your home. Now, this is not to discount, you know, your neighbor lives down the street. We want to love them too, but we, we said closest proximity. So for the sake of this principle, we're going to start with the people who quite literally live the closest to us. So I want to ask you, do you know, can you name these people? In fact, if you need to, if you want to like jot them down, you can. 
or put them in your phone or just, you might be able to do it visually. Raise your hand if you can name all of the people who live right around you. Y'all are awesome. That's really, really rare. Really rare, seriously. There might have been, I didn't mean to, I don't know if I overlooked anybody. I'm not raising my hand. Raise your hand if you, if you can name about half of them, you know, four or five of them. That's great. You're off to a really good start. Okay, not gonna ask for none because the purpose of this is not shame. Um, the, the, the point is this. We're called to love our neighbor. We're saying, quite literally, these are our neighbors. It's hard to love somebody if you don't even know their name, right? It's a good first step. So I'm gonna challenge you with something. So we're gonna do this every week this summer. We're gonna, I'm gonna, not always me, whoever's teaching will issue a good neighbor challenge. This is a small, simple, practical step, okay? This is not like a huge aspirational goal. It's a practical step that you can take this week. Okay, my challenge for you this week is to try and do this. Try and complete this. Try and get to know just the name. You can literally start there. Just the names of the people who live immediately surrounding you. We actually have some magnets. These are magnets, like for your fridge, that have this on it. You can ride on them, okay? We got plenty for everybody. Um, They're sitting right now. They're right, so right on the other side of this wall right here. I don't know if you noticed this when you came in. That's, that's our, our good neighbor challenge wall. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But they're sitting right out there. We'll also have some hospitality volunteers at the doors. Take one if you'll use it, you know, one per household. Put it on your fridge and, and do it. So I don't know what you're thinking. You might be thinking this is scary. You might be thinking this is fun. I don't know. Um, maybe a little bit of both. But I want to give you a couple of really practical tips. Um, first is to keep it simple. So this is not rocket science. Y'all are smart people, but don't overthink it, okay? Uh, we're, all we're talking about is just getting to know a little bit about the people who live right around you, starting with just who are they? Maybe you've n- never met them, and it just means going over and saying, hey, I can't believe we've never met, you know? Maybe you have met them, you don't remember their names. That's okay, they probably don't remember you either. So just own it, you know? People, for the most part, not everyone will respond the same. That's fine, it's not your problem, but... Most people will be honored. Because that's, that's one step to seeing, knowing, loving someone. So be, keep it simple, but also you are gonna have to be strategic. Speaking from my own experience and even from the statistics, it's probably not gonna just happen this week because you want it to or because you pray. You know, they may not come to you. Okay, you're probably, I would assume you're gonna go to them. You're gonna, t- you're gonna make the first move. This is gonna re- require intentional strategic choices. It might mean just making the time for it this week. It might mean doing something really awkward like going over and knocking on someone's door, if you can imagine that. So what I'm saying is, what I'm aware of is that while our neighbors are right there, they're in closest proximity to us, they can feel so far away, especially the longer you've lived somewhere, Um, and and you're probably going to have to uh, go out of your way. Um, and make some, some strategic choices to do this. The last thing is this. I wanna encourage you to share your story. So story is gonna be one of our focuses this summer because um, this is one of the ways that we can uh, really acknowledge that we're doing this together. So most weeks this summer, we're actually gonna have a good neighbor story shared from stage, um, and then which will be followed up with a, a podcast, a longer conversation within that week. 
Um, but that, those aren't the only stories I, I, we want to share. I want everyone, all of us, to have opportunity to share, and that's where that wall comes in. So what we're gonna do, so next week, there's nothing to post on the wall today, but next week there's gonna be a simple question out there about how many neighbors did you meet this week and how many are left? Did you get them all? And you can, you'll get to write on there, and we'll get to see, hey, we're like, look at how many people, other people are doing this and trying this. You with me? So as we choose to accept these challenges, we'll be able to share. Can you imagine if we all did this? I mean, just looking around, I'm like kind of ballparking this here. I know some of us like live together, but um, I mean, we're looking at in the thousands, at least a thousand people we would be connecting with as a church body if we did this. Can you imagine the impact that could have on our neighborhoods, our community, our city? I wanna just take a, a moment before we wrap up just to kind of share a little bit of uh, my story around this. I'm not um, like the shining example of this, but it is something that I believe God has been teaching me about and really growing us and both myself and Kirsten. So um, I, <laughs> earlier I spoke to this briefly. I can speak firsthand about the, um, how easy it is to leave home every day for the sake of loving people, for the sake of ministry even, and come home and overlook the people who God has quite literally placed right around you. Um, I don't know about y'all, I'm an introvert. So when I get home, I'm like, it's time to unplug, not plug back in, right? Like I'm not coming home thinking, I wonder if I can spark up a new conversation with my neighbor. That's just not me. I come home and I wanna just maybe relax, unwind, just have like family time, just work on some projects around the house, you know, go for a run, whatever it may be, but not necessarily, oh man, I just hope there's somebody waiting to talk to me today. At the same time, what I know is that the best life is living in obedience to Jesus. I know he knows what he's talking about. And so, and I've had this deep desire, this longing to grow in this. God's really been kind of just stirring it up in me um, over the past year or so. And we've even, you know, since we've been married, like we've had a desire to want to be intentional wherever we live. It just hasn't quite gotten practical enough. You know, the rubber hasn't quite like, met the road. I don't know if anybody relates with that. You know, your, your lived reality not quite matching up with what, what, you, your, you, what you hope for. Um, so anyway, over the past year or so, guys, it's really been working this in me. We've moved twice in the past year. Um, but what I, so a few months ago, back in the spring, as we, we uh, prepared to move into our home that we're in now that we really see ourselves being in for quite a while, I just told Kirsten, I said, I, I just really sense that God is leading us into a new season, that this like needs to be a priority for us. Um, we really felt like, some of y'all know um, a little bit about that story, but like we really feel like God saved this house for us. And what that means is that he saved those neighbors for us too. And so, um, yeah, Kirsten was on the same page. Of course, she was like, okay, let's, let's try. So we... We close on the house, get the keys, we drive over there the first day, we pull up and there are two neighbors just standing on the corner talking. It's like an interesting situation. There's like a lady pushing a dog in a stroller. So there's like a, there's like a, lot, a lot going on. We're like, are we gonna do this? Uh, we'll fit right in. So 
Um, we did, and it was great. It was a great start, you know, but it's, that, it's those moments of decision. Y'all know what I'm talking about when you're like, I have a pretty good idea. You know, WWJD became popular, I don't know when that was, back in the 90s, the bracelets. I have a pretty good idea of what Jesus would do and what he would want me to do here. He'd want me to, to approach them. Am I gonna do that? There's just those decision moments. And for us, it's just been continuing to try to make one decision at a time, you know, it's looked like, so for us, simple and strategic has just meant like, let's, we're working on just building more margin to our schedule so we can actually be at home more and not just be at home, but actually like, as the weather's gotten nice, get out, go for a walk, take the dogs, um, work in the yard, out front, you know, whatever it takes to just be available, making ourselves available and, and looking for those strategic opportunities to do so. Um, you know, when those, those storms came through back in the spring, hit our neighborhood pretty hard and we're like, you know, let's just go walk around and everybody's out. We met tons of people that way, you know, or when somebody's dog gets out down the street, that just happened last week too. You know, let's walk down there, see what we can do. You know, these are all opportunities to make ourselves available. And once you're available, it's just about really being attentive and those decision moments, you know, when you get to, um, you have the opportunity to move towards someone. Um, it's helpful, I think, to remember that just moving towards someone is often the first way we can represent Jesus to them because Jesus is the one who moves toward us, whether we want it or not. Um, for us, you know, just being intentional has looked like keeping a, um, like a shared note on our phone where when we have a conversation, we're just kind of taking notes on like whatever we can learn about them, you know? Every little thing you can learn about someone makes them feel seen and known and loved. And you'll be, I think, surprised oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes how quickly um, pursuing someone to know them and love them will lead to greater depth. You'll, go, you'll move from surface conversations on the corner to you're sitting down for coffee or dinner or they need you. And that's the reality. Some of your neighbors are too busy for you. That's fine. But some of them probably need you and uh, we're called to be Jesus to them. Like we're, we're, we, we should assume that we are quite literally in proximity, the closest thing to Jesus in their life. So I say all that to say we're, we're in the process. We're, we're right, right in it, but we're trying to take our, ste- you know, this, our next steps. And my question is just for you is, what if you did that? Like what, what is your next step? Um, we've given you this practical challenge. What if you took it? (laughs) Uh, What if we as a church got serious about the great commandment and that Jesus meant it? He actually meant it um, to be taken seriously and to be taken literally. Um, You know, what if the reason he said this is the most important thing is because it's actually really powerful. It can transform not just us, but people around us and what if God uh, has placed you in your neighborhood what if even when and especially when let's just be honest Memphis is not always the easiest place to live it's a great place it can also be a hard place to live um, but what if God has placed us here as a people and what if like your witness starts right where you live so um, as we move uh, toward kind of our response time, I just want you, I wanna invite you to just move towards God, whatever that looks like today. Um, 
I've done my best to share this with you. It's not been perfect, but my, my, what I trust is that God is speaking to you. And so um, I wanna ask you to listen to that. Our worship team is gonna come and lead us in a song. We're gonna sing this call, song called Establish the Work of Our Hands. It's um, mostly based on Psalm 90, Prayer of Moses, and it really is a song of commitment. Um, you know, I, I hope, I believe that this summer is a time for us to really commit ourselves to following Jesus in, in very real ways, tangible, practical ways. But what I also know is that before we commit our hands to something, we need to commit our hearts to God. Because the reality is that our, our good neighboring won't be enough. Um, we need God's blessing. We need his favor, we need his spirit, we need his presence. And at the end of the day, anything good that comes of it will be from him. The song starts with, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. So I just wanna invite you wherever you're at. You know, if God's stirring something in you, if there's something you just need to like be honest with him about and confess, um, maybe you're, you're asking a question about your own relationship with God and you, you feel you're, you're seeing Jesus in, in a new light. Um, he's drawing you towards himself. I just wanna invite you to lean into that. Uh, there are gonna be prayer counselors up front. They'd love to pray with you. We wanna, we're here. I mean, we're doing this together. So um, talk to somebody, you know. Um, we wanna walk with you. So let me pray for us and then we'll sing. God, I thank you so much that you call us to live lives of purpose, that you actually do have a plan for our lives. We don't have to live just um, wandering. Um, thank you for Jesus, our ultimate good neighbor who came and gave himself for the good of others in every single moment of his life, even to the end. Thank you for your spirit who moves in us even now. And um, God, I just ask that this summer would be a marker for us as a church and as people, as families, where we lean in and we say, you know, we, we're here. God, God has put us here. Uh, for this season, God has me right here. Um, and I don't want to miss a thing that he has for me or that he wants to do through me. God, I just ask that you would move and work and speak in the way that only you can. Uh, we don't need control of this moment. We just want to ask you to do what you would like to do and uh, lead us forward to take our next steps. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.